0: That song begins: "O Church, arise and put your armor on. Hear the call of Christ, our Captain." Remember those as we, as you listen to the message today. With our, with our missionaries and guest speakers, uh, Tim Reed was here a couple weeks ago, and last week, CareNet Pregnancy Center from the Sioux was here. We, we haven't been acts in acts since the middle of. June, and we're probably not going to return there till the middle of August. So you get a couple months off from Acts, and then you be prepared, and we'll get back and finish the book, the last third of it. it may take another year, but, but we'll get there. Those of you that were here Wednesday night got a, got a pre-brief of, of part of my message this morning, and I would ask you all to turn to Isaiah with me, Isaiah chapter 10. Now, Isaiah chapter 10 is, is talking about the, the judgment of God on the Assyrian king. And we'll find out why. We'll show you why he was, the, the, the judgment was going to be carried out. Beginning in verse 12... Isaiah chapter 10, verse 12. So it will be that when the Lord has completed all his work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, he will say, I will punish the fruit of the arrogant heart. Hold your finger there. It's in Isaiah. Just flip over to chapter 66, if you would, quickly. I like, I like this message this morning because I get to weave some of my favorite verses into it. To me, it all makes sense. I hope it does to you. Isaiah chapter 66, verses 1 and 2. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. When then is a house you could, or excuse me, where then is a house that you could build for me and where is a place that I may rest? In other words, what, what place that the, the you could build that's big enough to, to contain who I am? Verse 2, for my hand made all these things, all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But to this one I will look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. I appreciated and enjoyed, the. the and I'm not going to probably quote it exactly right, from Isabel's Testimony. But she basically said she got to the point where she didn't want to live her way. She wanted to live God's way. She wanted God to be on the throne, not her. To him, this is who the Lord will look to. To him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. Do you humble yourself? I mean, that's when when we're obedient to God's word, when we're obedient to uh, his commands, we have to humble ourselves and come under his authority and say, God, I want to obey you rather than me, rather than do what I want to do. Exactly what Isabel was sharing in her testimony. God, you're on the throne. I'm going to humble. I'm going to become subservient to you. I'm going to set my own pride to the side I want you to be the one in charge, and that is who the Lord will look to, the one who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. Back to Isaiah chapter 10, and verses 13 and 14 are going to help us understand why God is going to carry out judgment on the Assyrian king. For the the king of Assyria, in the pomp and his haughtiness, for he has said... By the power of my hand, and by my wisdom I did this, for I have understanding, and I removed the boundaries of the peoples and plundered their treasures, and like a mighty man I brought down their inhabitants, and my hand reached to the riches of the people like a nest, and as one gathers abandoned eggs, I gathered all the earth, and there was none that flapped its wing or opened its beak or chirped. guy sounds just a little full of himself. If you look back in that verse in Isaiah 66, that's not who the, God, who the Lord wants to work with. The Lord is looking for someone with a broken and a contrite heart. He's not looking for the proud and the arrogant. And this guy is pretty full of himself. Now I'm going to do a quick little parenthesis here. There really isn't the point or the part of the sermon, but I don't want to miss the opportunity because of what this verse says. At the end of verse 14, it says, there was not one that flapped its wing or opened its beak or chirped. He says, I reached into their pockets and took all their money, and there's nobody that argued or, or fought back. Make a little spiritual application that we as a nation are guilty of that. If we look to, to, I'm going to go back to Roe versus Wade and the, the abortion issue. There was not one that flapped its wing or opened its beak or chirped. We as the church failed. We did not squawk and kick and scream and kick against abortion like we should have. And so this evil one can reach in and steal the riches of the people like a nest. I'm sorry, but I believe that 60-odd million babies are riches that our nation is poorer of today because of that. End of parentheses, back to my message, okay? That, 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 the, 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 the picture there was just too much to, to let go by the way. In chapter Isaiah chapter 11 in verses 6 through 10 9 10 we have the little description of what the millennial kingdom will look like we've we've heard those verses before where the where the, the lion will uh, the cow and the bear will graze together the young lie down the lion will eat straw with the ox and in verse uh, back in chapter 10 when the the arrogant king was talking about how great he was he he said by the power of my hand and my hand reached in I just find it's interesting that the picture that we have and that's used at the end of verse 8 in chapter 11, the weaned child will put his hand into the vipers' den, and there won't be any threat from that. But they can put their hand right in there, and that's what's going to happen when God is establishing his kingdom is that, that will, it will be back, I believe, to pre-Adam and Eve's sin, like it was in the garden. But then we come on down to verse 11, and, and again, what I'm looking for here is not all the, the context of the prophecy that's, that's here in Isaiah, but the principle of, of God's hand. Verse 11, it will happen on that day that the... Uh, verse, yeah, verse 11, ch- sorry. Chapter 11, verse 11. That it will happen on that day that the Lord will again recover the second time with his hand the remnant of his people who will remain from Assyria, Egypt, Pathros, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. Verse 12, he will lift up, with his hand, he will lift up a standard for the nations and will assemble the banished ones of Israel. Will gather the dispersed from Judah, from the four corners of the earth... Skip down to verse 15 if you would. And the Lord will utterly destroy the tongue of the sea and he will wave his hand over the river with his scorching wind. Again, not all the prophetic context, but the principle that, that in, ver- in chapter 10 we saw the arrogant man, the arrogant king of Assyria doing things with his hands. And here we see what the hand of the Lord will do that the hand of the Lord will restore peace, will restore order to the way that he intended it to be. Turn with me, if you would, to Exodus chapter 7. The the title of my message is to stand firm. I want you to see in in, in the verses that, that Rick read for us this morning, was just the praise and the worship to the Lord for what he has done for what he will do and in how we need to exalt him and that our hearts attitude should be that of praise for he is on the throne Let's see pastor why are we going to Exodus chapter 7 if you recognize this group in the passage here in the next several chapters We have the uh, the, uh, 10 plagues, the people getting, the Jews getting ready to leave the land of Egypt and to go into the promised land. And I I, I draw a comparison here to um, the the king of Assyria that we just looked at in Isaiah 10 to Pharaoh in Egypt. And I'm going to breeze through this rather quickly to get to my point. Chapter 7, verse 13 uh briefly this is where uh, Moses and Aaron have gone into the presence of Pharaoh and and the Lord told him to throw his, his his stick down and it became a serpent and and Pharaoh says oh my guys can do that too but Aaron's staff ate up all the other serpents and verse 13 yet Pharaoh's heart was hardened verse 22 the magicians of Egypt did the same with their secret arts. Let's see, is that? Yep, that's, that's the water turning to blood, the first of the plagues. Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not listen to them as the Lord had said. Chapter 8, verse 15. After the frogs have been removed, Pharaoh saw that there was relief, and he hardened his heart. 819, the gnats, there was relief from the gnats, but Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and and it's interesting here, Um, sometimes Pharaoh hardened his heart, and sometimes God hardened Pharaoh's heart, just maybe when Pharaoh was ready to yield, God said, nope, not yet, so I'm going to harden your heart if you're not going to harden your heart. 8.32, after the flies are cleared out, verse 32, Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also. Chapter 9, verse 7, after the livestock was stricken, that was relieved from that, Pharaoh sent and behold, there was not even one of the livestock of Israel dead, but the heart of Pharaoh was hardened and he did not let the people go. Chapter 9, verse 12, this time the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart after the boils afflicted men and animals. The boils are removed. The Lord hardens Pharaoh's heart because those boils are painful. And maybe Pharaoh was about ready to relent. The Lord said, nope, not done yet. Not done yet. Chapter 9 verse 34 and 35 after hail and fire came down again only on the Egyptian land he sinned and hardened his heart he and his servants verse 35 pharaoh's heart was hardened Chapter 10 verse 20 the locusts are removed again you can see that pharaoh's getting to the breaking point because in 10:20 it says again the lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. Just think of the... It's a different scenario, but the the arrogance of this man, just like the king of Assyria that we looked at in Isaiah. Chapter 10, verse 27, the, the darkness came, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he was not willing to let them go. For three days there was darkness that you could feel, but there was light where the Jews were. And then, of course, the final... The final is, is the, the Passover when the firstborn of each family, even the firstborn of the slave girl, the firstborn is killed in the land of Egypt, but not in the Jews if they humbled themselves and were obedient to what the Lord told them to do. You put the blood on the side of the doorpost and you put it over. And then when the angel of death comes, he will pass over you. And that's where, of course, we get the Passover. So in the land of the Jews, to those that were obedient, there was no death. But in the land of Egypt, the firstborn of every family died. Chapter 14, just as, as we passed through 12 and 13, briefly, the, it was interesting that God even changed the hearts of the people, the Egyptians, to give their gold and silver to the Jews as they were leaving. Well, well after all this happened, what would possess you to do that? God was working in their hearts. Um, Proverbs 21, 1. Okay. Proverbs 21, 1. The king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord, he turns it wherever he wishes. Pharaoh's heart belonged to God. Not that he served God, but it was God's heart to do with as he pleased. And if God has the heart of the king in his hand, you know he's got yours and mine as well. He can work and turn our hearts wherever he wills, whatever direction he wants to. That's his prerogative because he's the creator and the savior. That's his privilege. Our hearts are like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. As we get to chapter 14, the the story, you know, we they, they after all the plagues and the Passover, the, the Jews have moved out from from the capital, uh, from Ramses there in Egypt. And and they've got it doesn't tell us exactly how many days they've been traveling. Um they they could have gone upwards of a couple hundred miles, so it wasn't a weekend, okay. They 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 were They didn't have trains or planes, okay? They were were walking. And so they get to the Red Sea. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh's heart, verse uh, 4, chapter 14, verse 4. Thus I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Verse 8, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh. (coughs) Excuse me. Dry today. (coughs) what god says he will do he will do take it to the bank whatever expression you want to use if god says he's going to do something he's going to do it i don't know if you remember when we were we were studying joshua back in deuteronomy he said that he would send when when the Jews would move into the land, into the promised land, they were beginning to take it over, that he said that the fear of the Lord would go before them. And if you remember Joshua, I believe, chapter 3, 2 or 3, um, when, when the spies go in and, and Rahab hides them and protects them, she, she says to him, the fear of your God precedes you. Your, the fear of your God is already here. So just another case of when God says he's going to do something, God does it. Here he says, I will harden the Pharaoh's heart. And in verse 8, he hardened it. And and now now we have the chariots. And and the the Dead Sea is in front of the Jews. And the chariots of the Pharaoh are coming and they're just going to be slaughtered. They don't have any weapons of war to protect themselves with. 14.11, and then they said to Moses, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Verse 13. Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stay stay where you're at. I'm just going to turn to Deuteronomy 323. Or excuse me, 322. Do not fear them, for the Lord your God is the one fighting for you. And guess what? He's never lost a battle. So if he's fighting for you, you're on pretty solid ground. He is the one fighting for you. Do not fear. What they've just come through, what they've just seen, and this is why I I wanted the Isaiah passages, is that the hand of the Lord, the hand of the Lord will accomplish what what he, again, what he says he's going to do, he's going to do. And he's going to use his hands to accomplish it. Moses said to the people, do not fear do not fear, almost, almost, it's not quite, it's not the same, but it makes me want to say Shazak." Be strong and courageous. Do not fear. The God that you saw just carry out the ten plagues in Egypt, he's got you. That God that you saw perform those miracles, That God has you. He's got you in his hands. Do not fear. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for you today. Amen and amen. He is going to accomplish it this very day, Moses said. You're going to see him at work. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again. And we all know the story. We know why. They were never seen again after that day. Because God did what he said he would do. He fought for them. The God whose hand provided for them, the God whose hand accomplished all the miracles, the God whose hand was going to take care of the king of Assyria because of his arrogance. There's, a, there's another king in Isaiah 38 and 39. We won't turn there, but his name was Sennacherib. And, and if you remember, he, because of his arrogance, he ended up eating the grass like the cattle for seven years. Because he said, look at this great kingdom that I have built. It's all about me. Look how great I am. Boom. Until he came to it. It took him seven years to come to his senses. And realize and understand that it was the God sitting on the throne in heaven that gave him what he had. And we need to understand and acknowledge and realize that what we have is because of God in heaven. It's not because of our own pride, our own arrogance, our own skills. Look at me, look how great I am. It's because of what he is, who he is, and what he did for us. That his hand accomplished this for his people. Do not fear, stand firm. Now, I I think maybe when we have gaps like this, in the future, I've always talked about preaching a series on the "But God's" from the Scriptures. I think I might put that off for a little while. And I might use this "The Stand Firms" from the Scriptures. Why and how? And just to read a couple other of the "Stand Firms." Psalm 33, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. Your statutes, Lord, stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days. Why can we stand firm? Because we know that our God and his word stands firm. That is the example that we have to look towards, is our great God and heavenly Father his word, His statues, He stands firm forever. There is nothing that can rock Him. That's the example we need to follow in our faith and in our daily walk with Him. As we stand firm. Now it is God who makes, uh, 2 Corinthians, it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. We stand firm because of His Word. We stand firm because of what He's done for us. Again, it's not anything we can do. We have to humble ourselves, throw ourselves at His feet, acknowledge that salvation is only through Him, that there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It is only the name of Jesus that will save us. There is nothing we can do fall on our face before him and say thank you father for the plan of salvation it is in the name of Jesus father thank you for your word thank you for your promises thank you for your hands that work in our lives to accomplish your will and your purposes help us father to be humble To fall before you and submit to your authority in our lives. That you might help us to stand firm because of who you are. We thank you for this, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take